0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. See, there's that word trust. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long, they injure my cause. Literally, I think that's not the best translation, but literally it says, all day long, they twist my words. Would probably be a slightly better translation. All day long they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have uh, as they have waited for my life. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Uh, Probably a better translation would be of my wanderings. You have kept count of my wanderings because it was at a time when David was actually wandering. Remember he was fleeing from Saul? So he had King Saul who was from on high attacking him and then he had King Achish of Gath, the Philistine king, also attacking him from on high. And he was wandering in the desert and, and he had to flee from Saul. And So, so um, you, probably that should be translated, you have kept count of my wanderings. Put my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in, in the day when I call, call upon you, in other words. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thanks offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So I, I just want to share very basically a few things, uh, what faith is or what trust is, what faith's in, and what faith does. Okay, what faith is, what faith is in, and what faith does. So here, um, let me just say, in, in, a, in a very... Sometimes we make the mistake of divorcing faith that we read about in the Bible and, and sort of seeing it as in a religious sense and divorcing it from faith that we use every day, trust every day, trust in people. But trusting God is similar to trusting people. It's the same kind of dynamic, except obviously that God is different and that God is more trustworthy, etc. But when in a relationship, trust is not there. We know about it. You know, trust is like one of those things that's, that you're only aware of really when, it, when it's missing, when it's not working properly. It's like, you know, when, when your body's working properly, you're not really aware of it, okay? It's only when it's, when it, when it's injured or something that, that you become aware of your body, okay? Because your body doesn't draw attention to itself. Now, it's the same with trust, you know? I mean, when, when I walked in this morning, I didn't think, oh, my elbow feels so great, You know, it's working so well this morning, you know, this elbow of mine. You know, I'm I'm not even aware of my elbow, okay? And, And the same thing, when you're in a relationship where there's trust, you're not even aware of it. But when it's absent, then you know it. Because then you don't feel safe in that relationship. You don't feel you can be yourself in that relationship. You don't feel secure in that relationship. You don't feel like you can make yourself vulnerable and be yourself in that relationship. And we know when it's like that amongst us as human beings, when, faith is, uh, when, when trust is absent. Um, but it's the same with God. And, and remember, trust is also on a spectrum. You can have a lot of trust, you can have quite a bit of trust, or you can have no trust. Okay, it's sort of on a, on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So David repeatedly tells us here what the problem is. Uh, if we just go um, back to those first verses, he repeatedly says, I'm, I'm trampled on. For man tramples me all day long. Uh, he talks about attackers and, and being attacked and oppressed. And he says, enemies trample on me all day long. Uh, many attack me. And then, uh, and then he says, um, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. I shall not be afraid. So, so through repetition, he tells us what the problem is. He tells us that, that he's being attacked. He's being trampled on by enemies. He's um, being attacked by, by people. And, and powerful people, he says, from on high they're attacking me. You know, proudly they're attacking me. And, and, and that th- those attacks and those tramp are leading him. So that's an external situation, but that's causing an internal problem. The external problem is calling, causing the internal problem of fear. He's afraid. He's struggling with fear. And we know that it works that way, that often when attacks come against us, it's an external problem, an external attack, which leads to an internal problem, fear. Negative emotions, problems in our hearts. And then he also, through repetition, gives us the, the solution. He says, I will trust, I'll put my trust in you. Um, in God, I trust. The solution is, is a trust solution. The solution is to trust. So, but, but, but what is trust? What is trust? And like I've said, trust is when we rely on someone or something, when we feel Safe and secure in someone or something. When we have a confident expectation of good from someone or something. All of that is trust. And that's the kind of trust that, that um, the psalmist is talking about here. Put my trust in God. Let me use an example. And I... I put that picture up there for a reason with a parachute. Trust... In God, putting our trust in God is a little bit like putting our trust in a parachute. You see, all of us are flying in, a, in the plane of life, of our lives, cruising along, but not realizing that actually the engines have failed. Okay? It's broken and that plane is about to crash. And then someone comes in and tells us the plane is about to crash. Uh, but good news, he has a parachute. His name is Jesus. <laughs> metaphorically speaking of course <laughs> okay and you know if you trust that parachute you're not going to say oh wonderful you know how amazing I'm so glad for the parachute you know thank God for the parachute you're not going to just talk about the parachute you're going to take that parachute and strap it to your back and then you're going to jump out of the crashing plane and pull the, pull the string and, 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 and trust that the parachute is going to open and cause you to land safely on solid ground Okay, that's trust. Okay? That's trust. So trust is not just talking. It's not just saying the right thing. Trust actually causes you to do certain things, to actually change your life, to live in a different way. Okay, But here I also just want to say a few things about what trust is not. Trust does not guarantee, trust in God does not guarantee an easy life. Just like trust in the parachute does not guarantee a better flight. Okay? And, and, and this is important. Some of you might say, you know, I don't see why that's relevant or important. So many people, when they come to God, they get fed a false gospel. You know, whether it's the, um, you know, a works gospel or whether it's a prosperity gospel or whatever other gospel it might be, they get fed a false gospel. So, for instance, you know, they might say, oh, come to Jesus and he will make your life better. Come to Jesus, receive Jesus, repent and become a Christian and your your flight experience will be improved. Not necessarily. (laughs) The parachute does not affect your flight experience. Becoming a Christian doesn't make your life necessarily easier. It will make it better, but it won't make it easier necessarily or more comfortable. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes there'll be persecution. Sometimes there'll be hardship. You know, if if the <coughs> flies <starts> comes along, <coughs> excuse me, serving the coffee, the hot coffee, and she's a bit careless and, you know, spills the coffee on your lap, it's still going to burn you, whether you have a parachute or not. Okay, the parachute's not going to make the hot coffee not burn you. Okay, but what the parachute is going to do is if the plane, when the plane crashes, uh, when you realize the plane is about to crash and you jump out, the parachute's going to save your life. When you jump out of your old crashing life, the parachute, metaphorically speaking, is going to land you safely in eternity. Okay? Okay? So the problem is sometimes we get sold a parachute. We get to say, yes, yes, Jesus, he's the parachute. He will save your life. But he will also, all kinds of other promises are made that are not promises that come from the Bible. Oh, your life will be better. And, and now here's what happen, happens. When we get told this false gospel, oh, Jesus will make your life you know, perfect and you'll never suffer again and you'll never get sick and you'll never um, have opposition and everyone will love you. Then you put your trust in that wrongly. Because that's not what the word says. And then when, when you put your trust in that, and that doesn't happen, which it inevitably doesn't, your life is no not perfect. Um, all of a sudden, you still experience hardship and difficulties. Then all of a sudden, you lose your trust. And say, oh, God has failed me. He promised to make my life perfect. He promised that I'll never get get uh, hurt or get sick or or, or or you know, he promised a better life experience. No, he didn't. The person who sold you the gospel told you a false gospel and created false expectations in you. God never promised you that. He promised he'd save your life. Okay? So trusting in God doesn't guarantee an easy life, a comfortable life. Okay? If some of you have been trusting God for that, I'm sorry to say you are going to be disappointed, but you're not going to, it's not going to be God failing you. It's because you've put your trust in the wrong thing. You were sold a wrong gospel. Okay? Trust also does not mean mere passivity. And, and yeah, let me um, just read the sort of background passage in First Samuel. <coughs> this is where David um, gets into the situation. It says, David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Because Saul wanted to kill him. Okay, so just—I mean—that in itself is instructive. David trusted in God, and yet he has two kings hunting him, you know, against him. Yeah, I think he went to Achish because you know he probably put on a disguise and thought he could sort of slip in as a unnoticed mercenary. But, But as we're going to see, they did notice him. And the servants of Achish said to him, to Achish, "Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing?" To one another of him in dances, Saul has struck down his thousands and David, his tens, his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. There we see his fear. And legitimate fear because, I mean, he's, he's a foreigner in, 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 in um, Philistia. He's at the mercy of a king who actually was, his, who was, who was the enemy of, of his nation. Um, and he says... So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors uh, of the gates and let uh, his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his, serv- uh, to his servants, Behold, you see the man he's mad. Why have you brought him to me? Okay, so what I want you to see here, real challenge, real danger. David's in real danger. That prayer that we read in Psalm 56 is where David prays to God and puts his trust in God. But he doesn't only pray to God. He does something. He pretends to be mad. He very shrewdly pretends to be mad. He even lets the spittle run down his beard, you know, and you know, acts all crazy, you know. And what I want you to see is that trusting God doesn't mean we have to be passive, this is very important, because I mean, sometimes as Christians, we can be so super spiritual and say, oh, you know, I'm just trusting God, I'm not doing anything, I'm not taking, I'm, I'm trusting God for that new job. No, I'm not sending out my CV, I'm not applying, I'm not giving my CV to, to, to uh, recruitment agencies or anything, because I'm trusting God. If I, if I were sending out my CV, I would, I would have been trusting in my CV. No nonsense. There's no contradiction between trusting God for a new job and sending out your CV, that's just super spirituality. That's not... God uses our actions. And we want to trust Him to use what we do. Okay? So start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, but trust God that He will make things work out according to His plan. Okay, so trust is not passive. Okay? Okay? We trust God that He will take what we do and use it to accomplish His will in our lives. Okay, trust is not a mere feeling. We see that, that David, we read in First Samuel that David was, was much afraid of, of, of Achish. Um, and we also see it here. It says, um, when, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, I shall not be afraid. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So, here's the thing. Faith, your faith doesn't follow your feelings. Your feelings follow your faith. David trusted. He decided to trust in God when he was not feeling like trusting God. When, in fact, he was feeling afraid. So, so many people, especially people, you know, who don't know Christianity, don't know the Bible, they think that, They'll they say, you know, they'll say to, to people like us when, when we say, you know, I trust in God and I'm inviting you to trust in God as well. And then they'll say, yeah, you know, that's all good and well for you because you have faith, but I don't have faith. How do you know you don't have faith? I can feel it. No. <laughs> You're missing the point. Faith is not a feeling. And faith should not follow your feelings. If your faith only follows your feelings, when, then when the feeling is gone, the faith will be gone as well. Faith that is only based on feeling is not real Faith. Think about the, the parable of the sower. You know, it fell on the hard, you know, pathway, the stony ground, oh, the, 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 the pathway, and the birds picked it up. The others fell on the stony ground, the ground that, the soil that was shallow, and it received the word with great joy, it says. Lots of feeling, but there was no root, no depth. So when the sun came up, representing persecution, it scorched and withered the plant, and it died. And so many people who think they are trusting, but who are actually only following their feelings, there's only a bit of hype and, 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 and so on. And they're following that. They, they, they're they following their feelings into trusting God. And, I mean, that, that, that doesn't last. That doesn't last. It doesn't work. Our, our feelings cannot lead us. Our feelings are important indicators of what's going on inside of us. So there's nothing wrong per se with our feelings. But they're often just the red lights that flash that tell us, something's wrong. When you're frustrated, it means something that you want to happen is not happening. Some purpose that you have is not being accomplished or someone's blocking it. When you're angry, it means that, that something that, that is important to you is being taken away or something that um, that you expect is, 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 is being resisted uh, and stopped. Um, when you're feeling sad, It means you're experiencing a sense of loss of some kind. Either someone or something is lost and and, and you're feeling sad about it, etc. So they indicate this, but we shouldn't follow them. We shouldn't follow them. Our faith shouldn't follow our feelings. Our feelings should follow our faith. If we believe something, if we believe the truth, then eventually our feelings will start lining up with the truth. And so often we put the cart before the horse's don't we? And we try and feel better so that we can trust more. No, no. Trust more in God, and then eventually you will feel better. Okay, your, your, your feelings are your servants, not your masters. Okay, so it's, it's not mere feeling. Um, trust is not dependent on circumstances. It's easy to think you trust God when circumstances are favorable. But your trust is only really tested when circumstances are not favorable, like with David. Things were really bad. His own king was trying to kill him, and he had to flee to a foreign king who also didn't love him. But it's only then, if you can, really, if you can have faith in adverse circumstances, then you know your faith is real. If you can trust in God despite circumstances, then you know that your trust is really in God, not in your circumstances. But if your circumstances change from good to bad... And you stop trusting, then you know your trust wasn't in God. Because God is independent of your circumstances. God is good no matter whether your circumstances seem to reflect that reality or not. Okay. So that's what faith is. A little bit of what faith is and what faith is not. So, but what is faith in? And this passage actually beautifully tells us um, sort of the threefold... Um, Object of faith. And, and, and this is very important. It's very important for us to realize that faith has an object. All faith has an object. When I trust, I trust in something or someone. They are the object of my faith. Okay? And your faith is only as good and as sound as the object of your faith. Okay? I might say I have faith in Jesus and a Muslim might say I have faith in Muhammad and he might claim that his faith is as strong as mine but his faith is not as secure as mine because Muhammad is dead and Jesus is not. We know, we know where Muhammad's grave is. His bones are still there. We don't even really know where Jesus' grave is because it's not important. <laughs> He's not there. (laughs) It's never been important. Very early on in the Christian tradition, they forgot where they... I mean, there are places you go to Jerusalem, they'll tell you this is where the grave is and that's where the grave is. But they'll give you two or three different sites. They don't really know because it's not important. No one ever made privileges to Jesus' grave, even though he was the founder of Christianity. Why? Because he's not there. He never was. He rose from the grave. was there for three days and then he left. Okay? So my faith, even if that Muslim claims that his faith in... Muhammad is as strong as my faith in Jesus. His faith in Muhammad means a lot less because the object of his faith is qualitatively different. The object of my faith is alive. The object of his faith is dead. The object of my faith is God and claimed to be God. The object of his faith never claimed to be God. The object of my faith, Jesus, says he's coming back again. Even the, 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 the Muslim's Quran acknowledges that Jesus is coming back again. Muhammad is not. Okay, so your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. Um, and, and, and this passage portrays for us the threefold object of faith. Firstly, it says we must trust in God. And it, and it says it a few times. In verse 3, it says, When I was afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. And then uh, later again in, in, in verse 11, it, it again says, in God I trust. So over and over it says that God is the primary object of our faith. And, and here it's, it, it says, especially in the second uh, portion, sorry, I didn't realize my screen had, had gone off, but especially in the second time when it repeats that, that chorus of the, um, of the passage, it says, um, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust. So who's the God in whom you trust? So, so even if you say, I trust in God, it says you're not only God, the, the Hebrew there is Elohim which is the plural, interestingly, of L. L. We'll, we'll see why that's important in a moment. But it doesn't just say, in God I trust. Then it says, in the Lord I trust. And the Lord there is a translation of God's proper name, Yahweh. So it's not just in any God that he puts his trust. It's in the God of the Bible, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, that he puts his trust. So, so it's, it's not even you should just say, I trust in God, because so often we as human beings, we like to create gods that we feel comfortable with. We like to, instead of saying, okay, I acknowledge that God created me in his image, we as humans want to create God in our image. It's called idolatry. I mean, it's happened throughout church history. We think it doesn't happen today. We read, you know, the Old Testament. We read about the Israelites and how they made little statues of gold and wood and whatever. And we laugh at them and think, oh, you know, these primitive, you know, poor, you know, stupid people. You know, how can they do that? But don't we do the same with money? Don't we do the same with relationships? Don't we even do the same with our... You know, spouses or our work or our accomplishments or our whatever, our cars, our houses, you name it. I mean, we turn all kinds of things into idols. They, we, we, they might not look like idols, but they're still idols, you know. So it's important that we, when we say we trust God, we trust the God of the Bible, the real God, the God who is real. Okay? The God who is all-knowing, almighty, and who, the God who is, because that's what Yahweh means. Yahweh means the, God, the one who is and the one who causes all else to be, that we trust in Him. Um, but also, I mean, let me put it to you this way. There's a kind of so-called faith that, especially in the last couple of decades, has become quite popular, that actually tries to s- remove God from faith. Um, you know, it, it, it came in through the word faith movement, the, the prosperity gospel. And what it talks about is not faith in God, but the faith of God. Have you ever heard about that? Okay. Now, that's a serious false teaching by people who don't know the Greek, and that's why they translate the word wrong or the, the phrase is wrong. But what it says is, um, like, for instance, I think it's in Mark 11. Yeah, Mark 11, where, where Jesus says, um, speak to the mountain." Okay? But, but trust, in faith. He says, have faith in God. but um, then he says, speak to the mountain. And and this kind of faith is presented as sort of like, um, what do you call it? Star Wars, you know, the force. The force be with you. It's it's faith as a force. You know? Like, your faith moves the mountain. Okay, That's what it's presented as. So it cuts God out. It's not, you have faith in God and God moves the mountain. Okay? No, it's, it's you your faith itself is a force that moves the mountain. Let me let me actually just draw you a picture here. So if you are here and God is here and the mountain is there, okay, this this faith that's an M by the way, it's not a <laughs> but it looks like a mountain. So I thought it was quite appropriate. Okay. So so this let's call it faith force says, my faith must be powerful enough, and my faith moves the mountain, because it's the faith of God. It's not faith in God, it's the faith of God. May the faith be with you, you know, that kind of thing, you know. So it bypasses God. It does not trust in God, it trusts in itself, okay. Whereas it's, if, you, if you read that passage carefully, it says um, that if you believe in your heart, whatever you ask for in prayer, if you believe in your heart, then it says, um, it, and don't doubt, it will be done for you. Done by whom? Not done by your faith, done by God. So, true faith, true trust, let's call it that, is in God, and God moves the mountain. Okay, and, and, and why I'm hammering on this is we are in grave danger of trying to cut God out of our faith. Because of the prosperity gospel. Because of this word faith false teaching that sees faith as a force and not as a relational trust in God who is faithful and who is powerful to move mountains. It's a self-glorifying faith force. Not a God-glorifying trust, relational trust. Okay? So, faith must be in God. Okay? Then, faith is also clearly in God's word. Let's just... uh Go back here. It says it a few times. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. Faith in God and faith in his word are inseparable. So, faith is trust is firstly in God, but trust is also in God's word. And God's word gives us the content of who God is and what God does, what he promises. In other words, faith is in the promises of God, the word of God. So, I mean, that's the difference, by the way, between faith and presumption. Okay, you know what presumption is? Presumption is when you trust God for something he hasn't promised you. Okay? The classic example of that is in, I think it's in the book of Numbers. God promises Israelites the promised land. He says to them, go, I'm with you, go. And they send out the spies, remember the 12 spies? And they come back and 10 of them give a bad report and say, oh, giants in the land, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. I mean... How do you know how you look through someone else's eyes? You don't know. They were probably like grasshoppers in their own eyes and assumed they were like grasshoppers in the giant's eyes. Okay? But they felt like grasshoppers. And here's a classic example of your faith following your feelings. And when your feelings are like you feel like a grasshopper, then your faith is non existent. Okay? So they said, no, you know, hang on. They bought this bad report and said, no, you know, we can't go. And remember, Joshua and Caleb said, no, God is with us. God is with us. You know, if God is with us, he's, he's bigger than the giants. You know, don't look at the giants. Look at the God who's bigger than the giants. But these guys wouldn't listen. And to make a long story short, they decided, you know, we're going to you know, kill Moses and Aaron and choose new leadership and go back to Egypt. Can you believe it? We'd rather be slaves in Egypt than face our giants in our promised land. But the problem is, if your trust is in yourself, and your giants make you look like a grasshopper, then you're also not going to be willing to face your giants. But if your trust is in God, who's bigger than the giants, then you're going to be able to conquer your promised land. But anyway, what happened in the end was all these guys who bought the bad report and so on, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the earth swallowed them up or something like that. Um, I haven't recently read that that account. Um, But... Israel then repented and said, oh, you know, oh, we've, we've sinned against God, you know, now we're going to go, we, 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 we repent and we're going to go and take up the land, and, and Moses says, it's too late. God says to Moses, it's too late. Now you're going to wander, your, your punishment, your, your, I'm going to discipline you, this, this the whole unbelieving generation is going to die out, and your children are going to possess the f- promised land. So for 40 years, you're going to wander in the desert. And they said, no, 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 we've repented, now we're going to go back. And, and, and Moses says, don't do that. God is no longer with you, he has not... When the time to claim the promise was there, you didn't take it. Now God is promising you something new. You're going to wander for 40 years in the desert. That's God's promise. And they didn't listen, and they went, rushed into the land, trying to conquer the land, and they got soundly beaten. Why? Because it wasn't faith, it was presumption. They were trying to claim by faith something that God had not promised. Okay, So that's why it's important to always trust in God's Word, to praise God's Word, to honor God's Word, to esteem God's Word highly. And to say, I'm putting my trust not in what I want to happen, but what God says is going to happen in His Word. That's what I'm trusting in. Otherwise, it'll also just end up being presumption and not faith. So praise here, you know, trusting and honoring God's word goes hand in hand with trusting God. Praise here means to express approval and to make much of. So to make much of God's word. We will either praise God's promises or our problems. We will either make much of God's promises or we will make much of our problems. Do you honor God's word? Do you praise God's word? Do you make much of his word? So often, why we struggle in our faith is because we don't do that. We tell everyone, oh, you know, I have this big problem. Look at my giant. I'm like a grasshopper in its eyes. Instead of, you know, saying, you know, yes, my problems are big, but my God is bigger. And His, prob- His promises are greater. His promises apply to me, not what the devil says about me, but what God says about me. Um, so, Whose word about your situation do you make much of? And you also want to say, in verse 5, remember, it says, all day long, they, it says here in the, in the ESV, they injure my cause. Like I said, the better translation would probably be they twist my words. And so often, you know, we make the mistake of putting our trust in God's word but his word that we've twisted (laughs) you know like like david's enemies do with him you know we we try and make god's word say what we want it to say one of my favorite quotes of all time is by martin luther now he he was a he was an interesting guy was he was a god used him mightily in the the reformation but he was by no means perfect He, he had quite a temper and you know he had a sharp tongue, you know, in, in the way that he said some things. But, it, but he had a real catchy way of saying things. So he said it like this. He said, don't twist God, don't bend God's word, but allow it to bend you and give it the honor of being better than you can make it. Don't bend God's word, but allow it to bend you and give it the honor of being better than you can make it. So don't twist God's word and then put your faith in God, the word that you've twisted. Receive God's word as it is and put your trust in that. Um so here I just want to do a a little um sort of experiment or um a object lesson if I can put it that way. So I need someone to volunteer to help me. <laughs> okay. Ozzy, <laughs> <Aussie>, come on Ozzy's <laughs> hand shot up. Do you trust me? Uh, yes. Are it. you sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so you know, Trust means that, that you're willing to do what the person says because you trust him. Okay? Um, David says of God, this I know, my God is for me. Okay? In other words, he has my best interest at all. I can trust him. Okay? Do you, do you believe I'm for you? Yes. Yeah. you believe you can trust me? Yes. <laughs> there we go. Ozzy the man. Okay. So, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold this cup. Put your hands up out in front of you. Straight. Higher up, both hands higher up, okay? So I want you to keep them like that. Now you can turn them sideways. Like that. And like that. But keep them up straight like this. Okay? Just keep them like that. And then I'm gonna pour water in them, okay? Don't worry, I won't pour a lot of water. Okay. Pour water in both of them. Okay, keep them like that. Okay? You got them? Okay, so in a moment, here's what we're going to do. Okay? you you got you to you do everything that I say to you exactly like I say and when I say it to you. Okay, you ready for it? I know. <laughs> you said you trust me. You're gonna, <laughs> <you're> gonna, <laughs> you trust me. Uh, okay, you're going to trust what I, what I say to you. Now, I'm going to give you an option, okay, to wear this. Because what I'm going to ask, what we're going to do, we're going to both take a cup, and then I'm going to count to three and we're going to put it on our heads. Okay? (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to give you the option. You want to wear the cap or not? Well, it depends on how much you trust me. You won't wear the cap. Okay, you're going to to trust me on this. Okay. Okay, he's he's a man of faith, eh? He's a man of faith. He's putting his trust in me now. Okay, keep those cups up. Okay, so I'm I'm going to take the one cup. Um. Keep it like that. So here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to take this cup, okay? I'm I'm gonna count to three. Don't put it on your head. Uh, Don't tap it on your head yet. I want you to first put it in your head like this, the right way up. And then I want uh, close your eyes, and then I want you to turn around like this, okay? I'm gonna see if you can follow instructions, okay? You ready? Put it in your head. One, two. Close your eyes. Go. Turn around slowly. Now you can hold it. You can hold it. You can hold it. (laughs) Close your eyes. Are okay. you gonna open them? Okay. okay, you can take the cup down? Okay, hold it like this. Okay, so you you trust me now? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> They're not sure whether you should trust me, you know? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna count to three and then we're both together gonna put these cups on our heads. Upside down now. Are okay, you ready? One. Two, three. Well done. What? <laughs> it's just a bit of dust. <laughs> you get wet? No. no. <laughs> so Here's the thing, why I did that exercise, as I want you to see, sometimes it says, this I know, my God is for me, it was my God has my best interest at heart. But sometimes God does, who has our best interest in us, who is for us, does things in a way that make it look like he's not for us, like he does not have our best interest at all, like he's doing with David now. He's he's allowing David to be hunted by King Saul and to be recognized in the courts of King Achish, so he's in grave danger, okay? So God is allowing things that don't seem to be in David's best interest. Why does God do that? I'll tell you why God does that. Because God knows it's not in our best interest to only be concerned with our best interest. Okay? It's not in our best interest to only always act in our best interest. Because then we'll just become selfish little brats. Self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish little sinners instead of self-giving, self-sacrificing, noble saints that God intends us to be. So sometimes God will act in a way that make it, makes it look like we cannot trust Him. You didn't think that Ozzy could trust me, right? But I knew something about the situation that you didn't that Ozzy didn't. And God always knows something about the situation that we don't. And so we can trust Him. In other words, trust is not just relying on God to do what we want Him to do and what we think He ought to do. But trust is relying on God to do what He wants to do because what He wants for us is better than what we want for ourselves. What He wants for us might be less comfortable than what we want for ourselves, but what He wants for us is better than what we want for ourselves. And that is true trust. In other words, do I trust God not just to be able to do the right things, but to have the right things in his heart to do towards me, even when those right things are not what's comfortable to me, even when those right things include suffering. Does that make sense? Okay. So trust in God, trust in his word, and then trust in his son. You might say, okay, hang on, hang on, Annie. I know you always try and bring Jesus in everywhere. (laughs) But I read that psalm. I didn't see any references to Jesus. That's not the Messianic psalm. I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'll be honest, the first time I read the psalm, I, I didn't see anything about Jesus and the gospel in it either, okay? But then I read a commentary, a good commentary, and I discovered, oops, okay, I missed something. <laughs> there is actually a reference to Jesus. Let me show it to you. John 8 verse 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The last verse in the psalm says, for you have re- delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. It seems Jesus thought that psalm spoke about him as the light of the world. Okay? So trust must not only be in God and in God's Word, but in God's Son. In other words, what David as the psalmist saw only in a glass darkly, vaguely, we see clearly through the Gospels that Jesus is the light of the world. And, the, uh, you know, he might have had the questions, you know, because he talks about um, my wonderings, you know, you, you, you're aware of my wonderings. And, and yet it still here it talks about walking before God. Walking before God. In other words, walking in, in God's sight. In the, in the sight of God, where God can see everything you do. But part of what, you, what we all do, like David, is wander. Wander away from God. Sin. So how can you walk before God with confidence, with trust, yet you know that you're walking before God includes wandering? And Jesus gives the answer. He says the answer is in him. It's when you walk in the light of life. Jesus is the light of life. And it's when you walk in Jesus that you can walk before God, despite your wanderings, with trust and confidence because the light of Jesus covers you. He delivers you. He saves you. He makes sure that you're not in darkness. He makes sure... Because when you're in darkness, you're always stumbling and falling. But when you walk in the light, you can see where you're going. So... Uh, let's just quickly look at um, a few things that faith does. And, and I, want to, I want to end off with this. What faith does. Faith, firstly, prays to God and speaks to self. Listen, listen to, to what um, David does here. Uh, in the beginning he says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So here he's addressing God. He says, I put my trust in you. And then he says, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. Now he's talking about God. Okay? So first he says, I trust in you. So that's prayer. I put my trust in you. And then he seems to be speaking to himself and to the people around him and says, I trust in God. So trust speaks both to God in prayer and to ourselves and to one another. Okay? So when you trust, you're going to speak to yourself. Okay? That is called meditation. You might say, oh, you know, I've heard about, you know, Eastern meditation and so on, but that's different. Biblical meditation, you're not trying to empty your mind, you're trying to fill your mind with the Word of God. And that's when you speak to yourself. You're confessing your trust in Him. Okay? So, you know, people say when you speak to yourself, you're crazy. No. (laughs) No, I I think it's quite normal to speak to yourself. I think you'd have to be crazy not to be able to speak to yourself ever. Okay, so do speak to yourself. Okay, and when you speak to yourself, speak the word of God to yourself. Say, "I trust in God. I'm putting my faith in Him and in His Word." Okay, um, then faith also calls upon God for help. Uh, it says in the next verses, um, where is it? Then my in verse nine. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, God is for me. Trust calls upon God. If you trust in God, you call upon Him. Um, And and, and here we've got to be honest with ourselves and um, blunt with ourselves, frank with ourselves, and say that the more we call upon God, the more we trust in God. In other words, our calling upon God is a reflection of our trust in Him. Do we first try all kinds of other avenues before we call upon Him? Do we fall, first try all kinds of other means before we call upon Him? Or do we from the beginning call upon Him as we're also pursuing all kinds of other means? What does your prayer life, the consistency and the strength of your prayer life say about the consistency and the strength of your trust in God? Just close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. Just say, God, in light of my prayer life, show me how much I really trust you. And then, let him show you. Lord, we we just recognize that we trust you less than we need to. We even trust you less than we want to. Please let us grow in our trust in you and let our prayer life, our calling out to you, grow in proportion to our trust in you in jesus name then also trust knows something trust knows that my god is for me trust knows he says this i know god is for me but here's the thing trust knows that god is for you even when you weep because he says you know you catch my tears all in a bottle so he's crying bottles full <laughs> okay But real trust says, even while I'm weeping, even when things are going wrong, even when I'm attacked and oppressed, I know God is for me. In other words, I know that God is for me even when my circumstances tell me otherwise. Even when my emotions tell me otherwise, I know God is for me. That is true trust, knowing that God is for you, no matter what's going on on the outside and no matter what's going on on the inside. And, and I can just tell you in my life, one of the biggest changes in my relationship with God came when I decided that I'm going to believe that God loves me in, irrespective of my circumstances and irrespective of my feelings. I'm not going to interpret God's love for me in light of my feelings and my circumstances. I'm going to interpret my feelings and my circumstances in the light of God's love for me. And it changed my life. It vastly changed my life. And it will do the same for you if you can say, this I know, despite my circumstances, despite my feelings, despite my external environment, despite my internal environment, this I know, my God is for me. My God is for me. Um, So, God always has our best interest at heart, and like I said, Um, sometimes it's in our best interest for God to act in ways that seem to not be in our best interest to get us out of ourselves out of our comfort zone out of our selfishness and more into him Um, C.S. Lewis said it this way there are two kinds of people in the world people who say to God thy will be done your will be done and people to whom God eventually says, okay, your will be done. So the point is we, we, we have to trust God to do his will in our lives, even when his will is uncomfortable. Because ultimately, if we don't, God will eventually hand us over to our own wills. And that will not be pleasant. Okay, faith, praise, fear away. And notice he says, I was afraid. And then he says, I will not be afraid. And then later on in the psalm, he says, I'm not afraid. And you can see how he sort of prays himself out of his fear. Do you pray your fears away? Or you just sit there and mope and sulk and feel bad? Because that's a way to deal with fear. Remember, the New Testament says the same. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, He says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Now let's pray your fears away. Unload your fears to God. Unload your anxiety to God. That's the way to deal with fear. And that's, uh, that's what trust does. That's what faith does. Faith prays fears away. And um, Notice how, how prominent the enemies are in the beginning. And my enemies are trampling me. They're attacking me. And he repeats it a few times. But notice how then later on, very quickly, he goes over to, oh, you know, God is for me. In God I trust. What can flesh do to me? What can man do to me? So they go from being scary enemies to being mere, mere flesh, mere, mere men, mere mortals. Because all of a sudden, he's seeing them in perspective. In perspective of the great God in whom he trusts. And that's how you pray your fears away. And do you pray your fears away? And then trust gives thanks to God uh, for God's deliverance before and after it comes. See, already in the psalm, he's talking about the problem, but he's also already saying, I'll, I'll, I'll perform my vows to God. In the last couple of verses, he, he says, I must perform my vows to, God, uh, to you, O God. I will render thanks offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So trust in God praises him for being faithful before and after you actually experience the answer to your prayer. Um, you know, many, many people ask God for deliverance. And then when the deliverance comes, they act as, as if, oh, it would have happened in any case without God. So often that happens. You know, you, you pray for that spouse, you know, God, please, you know, will I ever get a spouse? Will I ever be married? You know, will I ever have children? And then you pray, God, graciously gives you a wonderful spouse, and then it's like, ah, you know, it was my time, you know, and actually, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite handsome, you know, and charming, and you know, all of that, you know, it it was bound to happen eventually, you know. (laughs) God answers our prayers, and then we act as though it would have happened in any case, Um, and then I also just want you to see, and I'm I'm going to, I'm going to close with this, uh, remember, Jesus is the light of life. And we, we, we can walk before God in the light of life. God always responds to our trust in such a way that it enables us to walk before him in the light of life. And other he doesn't just answer our prayers, but he answers our prayers in a specific way. A way that makes us understand him better and trust him more. And that's sometimes difficult because it's always not always comfortable. Um, but that's how he does it I mean if you just think about the cross as, as it's probably the ultimate example of this the cross I mean for us looking back at the cross we see oh it's the greatest victory of God in history but at the guys for the disciples going through it at that moment it must have looked like the greatest defeat for three years we've been walking with Jesus we thought he was the king the Messiah were to come I mean he was doing miracles all the best. he was doing all the right stuff we thought he's going to kick the Romans right out of Palestine out of Israel He's going to conquer all our enemies. He certainly has the power, it seemed. And now here he is, you know, hanging on a cross. Dying on a cross. What's going on? It seems like God is dropping me. It seems like God is failing us. And it did seem that way. But it turned out exactly the opposite. It turned out to be That God, instead of dropping them, was not, in in fact, it, it turned out that God wanted to save them more or to a greater extent than they thought they need to be saved. They thought they only need to be saved from the oppressive Romans. God said, no, you don't need to only be saved from the oppressive Romans. You need to be saved from the oppressive Romans and the oppressive Satan and the oppressive self. That's what you need to be saved of. And and, and I need to go through the cross to save you from that, from your sins and everything. So let's stand. We can truly trust in God and in His Word and in His Son because He knows how to deliver us so that we can walk before Him in the light of life. No one, I can guarantee you, no one who has trusted in God has ever been let down by God. No one who has trusted in God has ever been let down by God. And I know God has been speaking to all of us about the fact that we don't trust Him, never mind trusting Him as much as we ought to, we don't trust Him as much as we want to. Right? All of us want to trust God more. So I just want you to bring your heart before the Lord just close your eyes and bring your heart before the Lord and and just confess to him and say God I don't trust you enough I don't trust you as much as I ought to I don't always trust you implicitly sometimes I trust myself more than I trust you sometimes I trust what I think ought to happen more than I trust what, what you think should happen And then just ask God, say to him, Lord, please help me to trust in you. Not in circumstances, not in politics, not in, econ- in, in the economy of South Africa, not in people around me. I'll, I'll trust all of those things to some extent, as I, I, as I should, but I, my ultimate trust will be in you. Just say, God, I put my trust in you. want us to to end off with a song can we end off with uh, the song God I look to you because that's what trust is trust is looking to God trust is looking away from the other things that we attempted to trust in and only put putting the trust we ought to put in them in them but not putting the trust we ought to put in God alone in them God, we want to look to you, Lord God. We want to look to you as our Savior, our Deliverer. We want to look to you, Jesus, as the light of light. Not only seeing you like we see light, Lord, but seeing everything else by you as the light of life. And we want to put our trust in you, Lord. We want to trust you more than we trust ourselves. We want to trust you more than we trust this world or the things of this world because this world and the things of this world will pass away. Whoever trusts in you and whoever loves you will endure forever. Lord, and we pray that you'll come and do heart surgery on us and cause us to trust you more. Lord, especially in these troubled times in which we live, Thank you that you're exposing sometimes our lack of trust and that you're causing us to trust you more. Lord, only you can save. And if you don't save us, we will not be saved. And thank you, Lord, that we can trust you all the way into eternity and that you will never let us down. Thank you that we can say with the psalmist, this I know. God is for me. This I know. God is for me. That you really do have our best interest at heart. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.